You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Good morning. So today I'm going to read from you Ephesians 1, verse 11 to 14. And uh, in honor of God's word, please stand if you're able. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you, were also, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. To the praise of his glory, the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Thank you very much, Jeff. Um, just before I step into the message and give a bit of an introduction of where we're going, uh, first of all, I will say, because I, I never do it when I welcome up the kids, my name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here at TC. And uh, if you're visiting with us today, thank you so much for trusting us with your time. Uh, as was already mentioned by Mark, you can stop at the welcome table and grab a gift for yourself before you leave. I did want to do one announcement just on my own, and that is um, some of you know that we're sending a group to Ensenada, Mexico. Uh, in about three weeks. And uh, when we do that, there's a handful of things we're doing. We're going to spend some time with, um, with some of the impoverished in the city. We're going to be handing out food. Uh, we're going to be uh, spending a lot of time with some, uh, some boys at uh, Oasis Ranch. Um, these are boys who have walked through all sorts of difficulty in life, um, with a lot of the world giving up on them. And this is kind of a last resort. But in order to do some of the things we want to do there project-wise, when it comes to running some VBS or painting or doing some building, it's really up to whatever funds we bring with us. So uh, the next ask of the day over these next few weeks, uh, so, some people lament that they can't go on a trip right now. It's just, it's not their thing. Someone was sharing with me before the service that they, they said they'd love to give. Uh, they're giving, um, but they, they can't go. So this is how they'll be a part of what we're doing. So if that's you and you'd like to help us with the projects we're going to be doing down there, um, you can just go on to give on our CA Church website and you can find Mexico Ensenada on there and just give towards the Ensenada project. That would be fantastic. If you want to know more about that, you can talk to me uh, after the service. Please think about it, pray about it, and if it works for you, please donate. Um, we are at the beginning of a new ministry year. You're saying, why are there balloons out in the, the, for the and if you're visiting, just, just, I'll just let you know now, there's not balloons every week, okay? Just get over it. If you're coming for the balloons, and you'll see in our message, I believe we, in my message, I, think, I believe we have much more to offer you than balloons. Uh, if you think, I mean, the treats are always spectacular here, but when you get out there after the service, if you're visiting, please don't think that this is what it looks like every week. We are celebrating kind of the beginning of new ministries taking off with, with Alpha and, uh, and Next Step and uh, a handful of other things that you'll be hearing about over the next few weeks. And so we're kind of having a, a kind of a celebration after, after the service today. But I'm excited to, to kick off every few years we like to walk through kind of our vision, kind of to talk about our DNA as a church and, and who we are and what we want to be. 
And so we re revisit this every once in a while. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about what we believe as a church, why we believe it, and the impact it, it ought to have on who we are. Our, our mission statement as a church is quite simple if you've been here for a while. Some of you maybe have been here long enough to even see some of the words change a little bit as we've tried to really capture what we want to be as a church. But our mission statement is fairly basic. It's this. Do we have it up there? Next. Next. There. We exist to help all people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Easy to read, difficult to pull off. We exist to help all people, all people, all people become fully devoted, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. A simple statement with immediate implications, but one that takes a lifetime and actually an eternity to be realized. So to say we exist to help all people, as a church, CA Church, we exist to help all people become fully devoted followers of Jesus, it has implications first about who we are as a community. It has implications about our community. We're assuming a few things when we say that we exist to help all people. When we say all people, we understand first that our community is made up of people in different stages of faith. Think about it. We're all walking in here in kind of, with a kind of different idea and understanding of faith, with different roadblocks to our faith, and with different longings of our heart and soul. So different stages of life. Some of us are maybe complete, this is the first time you stepped inside a church slash theater whatever we call this building, stepped into a community like this. Maybe some of you are pre-faith. You've shown up, you've heard of Jesus, you've kind of heard the story from a distance, but you would not say that you've given your life to Jesus or been born again, as you've heard these phrases, maybe. Maybe you're old to the faith. Maybe this is, yeah, we get it. We get it, pastor. We get it. We've heard it a million times. Maybe that's you. And change your attitude, first of all. I, don't, I can't believe you would come in here like that. Some of you maybe are returning to the faith. May, uh, there's been a handful of people, especially after COVID, who've walked in this building and gone, you, gone, you know what, I haven't been at church for 10 years, and just after COVID, I realized my, my need for community, my need to be a part of something bigger than my, my recliner and Netflix. Maybe, uh, maybe some of you are, are in that area of deconstruction. You walk in here, you, you have an understanding or you believed you had an understanding of what it meant to be a Christ follower and you've been told things in the past that you're just having a hard time holding together with what it means to follow Jesus. So you might be kind of trying to figure out what parts are an actual part of my faith and what are parts that are not necessarily have to be in there. Because some of us walk with a lot of burden when we, when we step into deconstruction and my heart is for you, it's not against you. Um, and some of you are maybe just like, yeah, I come every week because I want to build my faith. I want to walk closer to Jesus. So I get it that when we say all people, we're in different stages of faith. We also come with different roadblocks to faith. Some, some sadly, and so if you're here this morning, I'm impressed because for some of you, the roadblock to faith is the church. Whether it's your own experience or maybe it's what you've heard <laughs> or what you, how, you, how, the, how church has been delivered to you through media, through other friends maybe that have been, been truly hurt by the church. Uh, maybe some of us, we come in and you just don't want any authority of any kind suggesting there's a, a wise way to live your life. That could be a roadblock for some of us. Some of us, you come into a church and you read, you hear some scripture or you hear us, you hear the words of Jesus and we talk about God the Father. 
And some of us have father issues. Some of us don't, don't have great stories about our father. So when we try to talk about God the Father, we have all sorts of issues there. The idea of family, of calling other people your spiritual brothers and sisters and being called to entrust a part of yourself to them. Some of us, we just walk into church and go, I got so much stuff going on in my life, I just don't think I can step into this. I've got so many struggles and there's an uh, incongruency with, with how I'm living my life right now and what God would call, to, call me to. So there's roadblocks. Some of us just come here with different longings. We walk in here and we go, okay, and we have a different idea of what we want to get out of faith, what, what we want from Jesus, what we want from God the Father. And ultimately, that comes down to the fact that we all want to belong to something. We all want to belong to something. We want to feel like we're a part of something, that we're seen by people and known by people. And people are looking for meaning. We are looking for meaning in life, like there is a reason to the life that we live. But in the midst of all of those coming in, in the midst of all those uh, diff different stages of faith, different roadblocks to faith, different longings, we also come in, most of us, with uh, a demand that we have autonomy. A demand that we call the own shot, our own shots in our life. And a demand to be authentic. Is there anything stronger these days than a call for you to be authentic and be truly yourself? So we bring all that stuff in. When we saw all people fully aware that all comes here. When we say we exist to help all people become fully devoted followers of Jesus, we know this hits people differently depending on your history and how you come in. How you interpret the world. That means there is not a template for any of you in how you enter this community and where, where you are on your journey. But we are inviting you to join in on our journey as followers of Jesus. And Jesus is not a philosophy. Jesus is not an idea. He's not a feeling. He is a person. He is the person. And so the second assumption implied by our mission statement is this. And without apology... We believe that Jesus is the best answer for whatever stage of faith we are in. We believe he is the best answer for whatever roadblocks we encounter. And we believe he is the best answer for any longings that we walk in here with. This is th that his story is the best one that you can find yourself in. And it is the one story that satisfies where every other story is only a shadow or is only a piece and one angle. It's, it's two-dimensional. Jesus has the best story. And we, we pronounce that as a church. It's part of our DNA without apology. Our lives are better in his hands than in our own hands and in the hands of our culture and in the hands of an ideology and the hands of a politician. Convinced? Yes. When we say yes to Jesus, we are stepping into or, or being grafted, Scripture says. We're being grafted into a story. And just so we know, and this goes against our autonomy and authenticity, that story is happening whether you get into it or not. It's been going on for 2,000 years. And it will go on beyond our years. And we are invited to be grafted into this eternal, fundamental story of humanity. And to say we exist... To help all people become fully devoted followers of Jesus is an invitation into God's story lived in active faith. To dive in. Now, how many of you, now questions like this scare me. How many of you have read the Chronicles of Narnia? The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, The Magician's Nephew. 
Okay. Now, I could follow that with a question that would be far more scary. How many can quote The Office? But no, I won't. Uh, it's, for me, it'd be Seinfeld in French, so it's not. I, have, I don't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> in the fifth book of the series, The, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, the children in the story are, are sitting in a house, and they're sitting in a room kind of in the back of the house. And some of these children have already been to Narnia, and their heart is longing for it. In, 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 kind of in the way that, that Solomon writes in the, in the ancient book Ecclesiastes, we talked about our heart longs for eternity. There's this, this thing going on in the children um, that they, they're back in the, in the human world, but their heart is longing so badly to be in the land of Narnia, where they met Aslan, who's a Christ-like figure. And they met all these friends, and there was this eternality and this solidity where Narnia seemed more real than, than Earth. And there's a scene where they're all sitting, longing for Narnia, and they're sitting in this old forgotten room in the back of this large house, and they're looking at this very small, dusty picture that has a picture of a Narnian ship. It's just a little sliver of this larger reality that they've experienced before. And as they're sitting there, and they're longing for Narnia, looking at this ship, and they're kind of almost about to dismiss it, they feel their hair kind of blow a little bit. And then they start looking a little closer, and they notice the ship start, seems to be kind of rising and lowering on the waves. And the, and the picture seems to be getting bigger and bigger, and there seems to be more of the picture than there is of the, root, the small room that they were sitting in. And they're starting to taste the salt on their tongues. And their hair is, is moving all... Things in the room are starting to blow around until they find themselves completely engulfed in the pitcher, thrown into the water, and then lifted up and placed on the very ship they were looking at. And they find themselves standing in front of Prince Caspian. And they act accordingly. They bow and they speak as they ought to speak. When we talk about faith... As Christians, we are saying something similar. We are saying, anywhere else you might see a sliver of this story. Great ideas, great philosophies, great campaigns. But where you truly find this is to step into this larger story of the gospel that Jesus died to create. To, to step right in, not to watch it, not, so it's no longer just a picture on the wall. We've often used the idea before here that there's a difference between wearing a jersey for a team you cheer for and getting on the pitch and actually playing the game. The invitation of the gospel is to not just put the jersey on and cheer from afar with your we're number one. Well, usually my teams are we're number 30, so it's not the same, but <laughs> where you're relegated. It's just not, a, it's not the same. It doesn't have the same kind of feel. Um... It's a nice uh, jersey, by the way, you're wearing. Uh, taking it off now? Okay. <laughs> Inside soccer jokes. Everybody gets those. But it's an invitation to get into the story, to stand in the presence and live out this story. See, we often get shifted aside when we hear, hear the word faith. Faith is a scary word. It's not just a scary word for people from a distance. It's a scary word for Christians because it's, it's kind of this out there kind of ethereal kind of thing. How do you grab on to faith? Christian faith is not about perfection. Thank, I mean, none of us are here if it's about perfection. Actually, the word for, for faith in the Greek, in the, in the New Testament, in the scripture, is the word pistis. Everyone say pistis. Say it all the way through, okay? Pistis. It actually means allegiance. It means saying yes to something and saying, I am a part of this larger story. It's a commitment to live for one king and one king only. Allegiance. 
It means living a life of service to a king within the story of his kingdom and under his lordship. Uh, one of the early followers of Jesus, Peter, he says, he says this. It's not up there, so don't look for it. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, of your allegiance, the journey you've been on towards him to live under his rule, your allegiance, the salvation of your souls. It's not how perfect every day is. Oh, thank you. I could look back on this week and I don't even think I scored a six out of seven. So it's not how great you live out every day. It's not how, it's not how balancing out the math of your sin and your good works. It's not how strong was your belief today. That kind of stuff will get you in trouble. It will be burdensome. It is what Eugene Peterson called a long obedience in the same direction. Faith is a long obedience in the same direction. That means you might mess up today. Okay, but is your life a long obedience in the same direction? That's beautiful. We don't measure our faith by how close we are to perfection. We measure it by direction. Faith is not perfection, it's direction. Which, which direction is your life heading in? Is your life stamped by his presence and his mission? A, a fully devoted follower of Jesus, and this is what we're going to look at over the next three weeks, is someone who is marked by his presence, marked by the fact that we're in his story, we're formed, by, formed into his image for the renewal of our city, our nation, and our world. That's why we hear these missions ideas, right? That we're, we're not, it's not just about us. It's exploding out of here to, to offer this story, to take over other people's story. Over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at this idea. And today, specifically, what does it mean to be marked by his presence? What does it mean to be marked by his presence? As we find ourselves in this new reality that we've been invited into. Well, first, it means our hearts are marked. It means we belong to somebody. It's not something we do. It's something that is done to us. Scripture makes it clear, and, and Jeff started off by reading some of this, that God has had his eye on you. You might not know it yet. Some of you, but you, some of you say, no, I, I, I've, off, I've offered pistis. I've offered allegiance. I belong to, to Jesus, and my life is a long obedience in that direction. Some of us, maybe we don't even realize that God has had his eye on us yet. Ephesians 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 11 says, In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who are the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Paul is saying that he was part of the first, he calls it first fruits, for the first kind of crop of Christians, and now he's handing it on to other people to be welcomed in. One of the priorities we have here at TC is that you are seen and known and loved. People often have asked me, like, or, or they'll walk in and they go, you know, I really like the, the feel of, of town center. I've been at larger churches, but I really like the feel here. And I was talking to someone this week, actually I was having coffee with someone yesterday, who said, you know, over the past few weeks I looked to my right and the person who's usually there was not there. So I checked, I, I checked in with them. Because I love a community where we can be seen and known and loved. Where I love, as a pastor, knowing who I know, and you've heard me say this before, I love knowing who I know and who I don't know when someone walks in on a Sunday morning. 
Now, there are things about being in a smaller community. There's things about saying yes to a community that are very difficult. And I'd say more difficult today than possibly the history of the world or the history of the West. There's the danger of being vulnerable to a group. That can be scary. To, to serve. To be in community groups in order to be made available to others and, and, be, and kind of submit to a larger group. But from TC's perspective, we want to plug people in so that they are seen and known and loved. This is one of the longings of humanity. Now, it might come in different forms. We have introverts, we have extroverts, we have omniverts. And, and, and it, can get, it can get warped when we're trying to find our, our identity and, and seek approval. Everyone's going omnivert, omnivert. Okay. Omnivert just means you're kind of a balance of both. Didn't mean to throw you. I didn't know that was going to be where we're going to get stuck. He had some good spiritual truth, but he said omnivert. <laughs> I, uh, someone call me an omnivert. I love spending time with people, but then I love retreating and grabbing a book or going for a walk or just being by myself. But we need to be careful in all of those arenas. One, that we don't seclude ourselves because you are not a person unless you are a person with someone else. It's impossible to be a person unless there's other people involved. There is no individual unless there's a group. <laughs> Keeping up with me? Write it down. <laughs> but we need to find a way to be in community. Always being careful. That's not where we're finding our identity or trying to find approval. But Paul says, you are already welcome into the family of God. So when we worship as we have this morning, when we pray, when we, when we gather, we're not doing it to get God's attention and say, look, are you seeing what I'm doing? Are you, are you not entertained? You guys all know your movies. It's so sad. Paul makes it clear, God already has his eye on you. Where you've, whether you've already said, I am going to align, I'm going to jump into this story, or whether you're still outside the picture, God has his eye on you and he wants to welcome you in. For his glory and for your own identity and health and hope. Jesus makes it clear. His invitation. It's open to everyone. Matthew 11 verse 28 to 30. says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Man, we have an anxious, tired society right now. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. When, when Jesus uses the word yoke, he's using the language of the day. Basically, um, uh, Jewish rabbis would have rules that they would throw on people. This is how you ought to live. Jesus says, mine is light. It's easy to handle. It's the law of love. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will, I'm not, it's not an option, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our story is this, and John says this in John chapter 1. The true light and we live in a world, if, if you're doing this all day, you're living in a very dark, small world. And, and John says this, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was not made through him, although the world, the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Today we would say we didn't even look up because we were too busy. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, it is your right, to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. You are welcome 
to be children of God. That is our starting point as Christians. Isn't that great that that's our starting point? We don't live in wisdom towards God. We live from, the, from already being accepted by God. That'll change the way you try to live your life. The unholy has been welcomed into relationship with the holy. We have been pulled in. The cross of Jesus in its gore and its vulgarity displays both the depth of our sin and the stubbornness of God's love. At the cross, Jesus took on his shoulders all that could keep us from God. Our sin, past, present, and future. Our fear of death. The separation between man and humanity and God. And he bore it on our behalf and he now offers it a trade for us. He says, let me take all of that and I will offer you my perfection and my righteousness. That's a good trade. I don't know if you've made a good trade before, but that's a good trade. My sin for his righteousness. So that when God the Father, the good Father, looks at us, he sees perfection. Because we have taken on the image of his Son. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul writes this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. That's already God's stamp on your life if you have given allegiance to him. He goes on to say in that same chapter, verse 21, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, to be put on the cross for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You are marked and you are labeled as a child of the living God. And for some of you, if you've already made a commitment to follow Jesus and to live uh, in a long obedience in the same direction, then that stamp is on you. And if you have never done that, then you are welcomed in today. You are, you are welcome to take that sliver of a picture and have it overtake your life. You are welcomed into the story, out of the dusty room, sitting on a creaky bed, looking at this picture. That is internal. This is, this is something that has already happened if we, if we are Christ followers. It has happened internally. It is something that happens in our heart. It happens at a soul level. It happens as part of our eternal story. That is one part of being marked by the presence of God. The other is that our lives ought to be marked. That it must express itself outwardly. And that's what happens when we don't live towards it, but we live from it. We live differently because we're in a new story. We've moved from slavery to sin and death, to life and forgiveness in God that should manifest itself in how we live, in, in the hope that we live in, the peace that we live in, from the dreary back room sitting on a bed looking at a small photo to being drawn into the story, from being far from God to being close to God, from being spiritually fatherless to being called children of the living God. And so... Scripture would say, the New Testament writers would say, we ought to take on the family traits. We ought to start looking like our good father. With traits of mercy and forgiveness and grace and kindness. The Apostle Paul calls these the fruits of the Spirit. So let's see how we're doing here. The fruit of the Spirit, the, the fruit that ought to come out in this new story, the fact that we are marked by God, already welcomed into the story, is that we ought to show love and joy and peace and patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So, so how, how, what's, what's, the, what's the love factor like in your life? The joy factor. These grow as we jump more into Christ, more into his story, and more into his community. So how does this happen? Well, it happens the deeper we jump in, the deeper we experience it together. 
in a community of love, joy, peace, patience. Kind. We can only work those out together. You, some of you have been around long enough. You know I've said this before. The fruits of the Spirit grow in the soil of Christ and his community. You can't sit at home or never drive in rush hour and say, man, I'm patient. It doesn't work. You can only learn patience, as one writer said, when you go and visit that place every week where the one person you don't want to be around with always is. We learn patience and love and kindness when we come to church with people who are drastically different than us, who, who maybe politically think differently than us, have a different worldview in some ways than we do. That is where we learn patience and kindness and love, faithfulness to each other, gentleness, self-control. Self-control, I'm just going to circle it right now. I'm going to do that right now because that is, and then I'm just going to put mouth next to it. It's there, it's there in blue. Thanks, honey. Love, I'm going to do that. <laughs> just come up here next time, babe. We'll just do this together. <laughs> It happens when we, when we learn more and more the, the love that is ours, the forgiveness that is ours. The new story that is ours through Christ, the new life that is a, a product of his grace is experienced in his community, expressed through worship and communion. Guys, worship and prayer, when we gather, when we spend time in community, this is not just something to, for the, the checklist of Christians. This is something meant to stir in us and remind us of the story that we are in. We do not live in chaos alone. We walk shoulder to shoulder with brothers and sisters who are in the same story. Romans 8 verses 15 to 16, Paul says this, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you need to live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And in doing so, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We've gone from thinking, this is how the New Testament explains it, that we are aliens, we are so far off from God, he could never possibly love us, to being welcomed into the story to say, Abba, Father. And if you don't, if you never heard this before, you can still hear people in the Middle East, the, the, the near Middle East, um, saying Abba. And it basically means Daddy. It's getting rid of everything that is about being respectable, everything about being proper and formal and just going, Daddy, the Spirit of God in you has stamped you and says you now have the right to come before the Father in prayer and say, Daddy, I'm so glad to be here. Oh, see, now I, got it. I can't flip because I got it on pen. There we go. That's why Paul encourages those in the family to continually explore, explore this truth, truth. Explore the fact that we are marked by a new story. He says this in Colossians chapter 2. He says, My goal is that, that, they, that they, you, may be encouraged in heart and united in love. So that, why? So that you may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything else will fall short. You want to know the fullest wisdom and knowledge, it is found in Christ. He later on goes on to say in that same chapter, in Christ you have been brought to fullness. That is why we have nothing better to offer you than Jesus. 
balloons pop. Eventually, the white flour is going to give us indigestion from the wonderful donuts out there. No, you're not going to listen to the rest of what I say. We have a society right now that is crying out for meaning. We have, a, we have a culture that is crying out, saying, fulfill me. Fill me. To be noticed. To crying out for, uh, for their, the fullest extent of, of their personal expression. And many have scarred themselves to get it. Many of us in this room have both physical and emotional scars as proof. Paul says, it is in Christ you find your fullest self. Jesus said, it is in giving up your life that you find it. By giving up the dusty room and jumping into the picture, that is where you find your life. It's in his presence that we truly meet ourselves as we were meant to be. That's where we find an experience of the world that is no longer two-dimensional, but fully encompassing, where we feel the, the wind on our face and the, the salt on our lips. The presence of God is a gift. It's a gift. A free gift. That seems redundant, but it's a free gift. But it needs to be continually nurtured in the noise of the world. We, we continually need to be reminded of it in a very, very noisy world. A world that yells at us mostly when we're by ourselves on a device with no wisdom to step in, no community to step in and show us a larger picture. That's why prayer and scripture and community are not law. They're wisdom. They're strengthening. They're clarifying. They're forms of nurturing and experiencing the marks of Christ's presence in our lives. This is how we stay connected with the Spirit of God and, and live in the story that he's welcomed us into. And that is what we are invited into. As Christians, in allegiance, in living faith, in obedience, in the same direction, this is the ongoing invitation. This is the ongoing nurturing that we're doing. If you are not on that path yet, if you're not in that story yet, I welcome you into that story this morning. As, as a church, there's things that we are going to, to prioritize over this next year, this next ministry year, to help us in that. And I, I want you to, to dive all in this year. I know you can't do everything, but dive in to, to the larger story. And as a church, we can, we can offer some things to help you do that. This year, we are going to pr prioritize prayer and, and ministry time in our weekly gatherings, communion, community groups. They are protective, but they're also ways of nurturing and building up the presence of God in our lives. That's why every week we, we offer prayer. I feel like there was a bit more prayer last week. I hope that continues. I was happy to pray with people after the service to see people coming up to our, to our prayer team. That is a way of anchoring into the larger story. We're going to have uh, intentional seasons of, of corporate prayer this year. Um, during Advent, we're going to have a time of corporate prayer, 20 days of prayer and fasting. In January, we're, go we're going to have a, a time set for prayer to meet at our Mariner campus and spend time in prayer. Here at Town Center, if you've been here for, for a few years, you remember when we did pray in May. And every day in May, someone's house would welcome in for about an hour, and we'd sit and we'd pray for our church, and we'd pray for our community, we'd pray for each other. So 
get that ready. Get a time in May where you're going to let us into your house. All of us. No, we won't. In the new year, we're going to be walking through a series about finding spiritual rhythms in our lives. How we can better nurture this, this story and, and create fertile ground for, for God to do some work in our lives. You are people marked by God's spirit, invited to live out this grand narrative of Christ with, with an animated, lived out faith within a loving community created through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And if you have not jumped into this story, if you, you find yourself longing for a larger, eternal, sustainable story, I, I welcome you into this story. Let's pray about that right now. God, thank you that it, as scripture says, it is not by works that we have been saved. There's nothing we can bring to the table to boast about. It is simply that you looked down upon us and in love, you made a move. You showed us by taking on humanity, by taking on the burden of temptation, the burden of, of growing up and, 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 and walking through the dust of the earth. You, you took it on by, by being uh, accused falsely, by being treated unjustly. You took it in by, by being beaten and bruised. And as the world looked up and just lamented another prophet being taken down, another revolutionary, you tell us in Isaiah that behind the scenes you were taking on the very sin of humanity. That you were beaten and bruised for our transgressions. And even though you could have walked away, you silently went in obedience and in love and took it on for our sakes. And three days later, in a move no one saw coming, <laughs> you burst out of the grave. You punctured a hole through death so that we no longer need to fear even death itself. Jesus, as we look to you, we see perfect humanity. And it's a righteousness and a perfection that you offer us right now in this moment. I confess I myself confess that in, in many small ways this week, I've drifted out of that story of grace. I've, I've turned a little to the left and a little to the right. And all of us have done that in some way this week. But we want to we wanna declare again this morning our allegiance to you, our allegiance, our faith to your kingdom. And we want to continue. We want to get up and wipe the dust off, accepting freely the forgiveness you offer. For if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just, and you will forgive our sins. And we continue our long walk of obedience in the same direction. And we can do it with hope and peace and full identity because we know where the story is going. We know that the gates of hell will not prevail against your kingdom or against your church. And Father, for those today who come here and maybe this is something new, we've maybe seen a sliver of this story. We've heard little bits of this story. And we come here from, from different levels of faith and a different understanding. If that is us today and we want to give in, Jesus, we declare, we declare our allegiance to you. 
We place all the other things we might have been using to find identity, whether it be politics or an ideology, whatever it is, relationships, our our sexuality, whatever it is, we place that at the foot of the cross and we look up to you and say, I just want more of you. I want to live in your story. And if that's a commitment you make today, just say yes to Jesus in your heart. Say, Jesus, I, I align my life with yours. I want to live in your kingdom. And I want you to to understand that in Christ you are forgiven. Anything you've used as a fist to heaven in the past. See, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me and let me walk in this new story. He doesn't hold on to a list. He won't continue to, to whisper in your ear, what about this, what about this? Full forgiveness is yours, and in exchange, the righteousness of Christ is placed on you, and your good Father in heaven looks down and sees only the perfection that Jesus has placed on you. This may be the beginning of a new story for you. If it is, come tell me after the service. God of grace, we love you. We align our lives with your beautiful story. You're such a better author than we are for our stories, and so we rededicate ourselves to you this morning. And we offer our worship to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.